Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And today we are going to be talking about a number of great games, actually. Uh, We're kind of keeping the theme going from this past week. Uh, We are going to be looking back at another old rival who's now a new rival. Uh, We're going to be talking about the history of the UConn-Providence men's basketball rivalry. And uh, joining me today is somebody who knows more about the rivalry than probably just about anybody else. Kevin McNamara, uh, longtime Providence Journal sports writer and now the uh, founder of uh, KevinMacSports.com. Uh, did I get that right, Kevin? You certainly did, Mac, and uh, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, yeah, Kevin, thanks again for coming on. So like I said, Kevin's been covering the Big East and Providence specifically for uh, over 30 years now uh, and you know, just uh, a tremendous uh, wealth of knowledge and uh yeah, so you know, Kevin, I guess just real quick, I kind of just gave you a quick bio, but uh, you want to just give uh, let let everybody know a little bit about yourself and uh, sort of you know kind of what you've seen and you know what you've done over the years. Sure, happy to. Um, so I, I have been covering, although although hopefully I don't sound that old, I have been covering the Big East uh, for over thirty years at the Providence Journal. I left the Journal last May, uh, but I'm still in the college basketball game and just launched a website. Uh, here in Providence, uh, called Kevin Mac Sports. It's KevinMCSports.com. Uh, we'll be very heavily Providence uh, and the University of Rhode Island focused, uh, but also uh, heavily Big East as well. My contacts throughout the throughout the league obviously are, are long and deep. Um, uh, you know, I, I go way back. I actually went to a Big East school. I went to Syracuse uh, back in the day when. Pearl Washington and Ronnie Cycli and Sherman Douglas were running around. So, uh, and I did grow up in Rhode Island, uh, watching uh, the pre-Big East Providence Friars. So, uh, college basketball is certainly my number one game. At the Journal, uh, I, I covered everything. You know, Super Bowls, World Series, NBA Finals. Uh, but re- really excited to now really just focus on college basketball. Uh, obviously, we all have our fingers crossed that uh, there will be a uh, somewhat of a season in uh, 2021. Absolutely, yeah, that's what we've been trying. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, I think I-, I told you in our email chain, but this podcast basically was started as a, a kind of a coping mechanism for when the postseason was canceled, because you know UConn last uh, winter was really starting to look pretty good. Looked like they had a good postseason run in them, and then obviously it all kind of just came to a screeching halt. So. Uh, very much looking forward to the season and looking forward to having Providence back in the fold. Um, you know, as I'm sure you probably know, you, UConn basketball has had a weird last seven years. And uh, most of the teams that UConn's been playing have been not teams that you know, fans are particularly that interested in. And, you know, while I think Providence is certainly the team that most UConn fans hate on the most, I think it, it's going to be fun to have them back because they have a fascinating dynamic and a fascinating rivalry. So could you maybe just real quick kind of give us a quick overview of, uh, you know, your experience covering the UConn-Providence uh, rivalry um, over, you know, the course of your career? Well, of all the Big East rivalries, uh, you know, if you really think about it, Providence goes back the furthest because these were rivals back in the 1960s. Uh, they played some unbelievable games in the ECAC uh, regular uh, season and playoffs in the 70s. In the 80s, both teams were really bad. Uh, uh, Providence got going in the mid-80s when Rick Pitino came to town, and then obviously Connecticut was rejuvenated when Jim Calhoun was hired in the mid-80s. Uh, and then after that, you know, UConn took off to a totally different level, you know, uh, winning national titles, 
uh, regular Sweet 16s. And Providence, for whatever reason, was always a, a tough game for them. They'd occasionally lose when they were ranked in the top 25, and Providence was a 500 team. Um, uh, you know, I know we're going to talk about the game, but probably, you know, my number one, you know, Providence fans, certainly number one uh, greatest upset of Connecticut came in the 94 Big East Tournament semifinals. UConn was completely loaded, you know, uh, Ray Allen, Travis Knight, you know, a slew of uh, future NBA guys, Donnie Marshall, um, Providence upset them, went on to win the Big East Championship the next day against Georgetown. Uh, but, you know, Jim Calhoun, uh, Tim Welsh had great games, uh, you know, a lot of really, really uh, great players and really memorable games in this series. And now, Dan Hurley and Ed Cooley, uh, that's going to go well. Yeah, I, I can't wait for sure. Let's yeah, let's actually start with that '94 season because there were actually really two fascinating games that kind of sum up this rivalry. So you know, the uh, Big East tournament was obviously you know kind of Providence's revenge, I guess. For you know, earlier in the season, UConn had picked up a really really epic win at Providence uh, that basically came down to a late three pointer by Providence to take the lead, followed immediately by Kevin Ollie just going coast to coast for the for the win. And actually, if memory serves, I think uh, Providence actually got a look at the win after that, too. Uh, I imagine you, you you must have been there for that game, I'm guessing, right? I was definitely there for those. I, I distinctly remember the, the uh, game at the Providence uh, Civic Center at the time um, when Kevin and Ali did go coast to coast. Uh, you know, That was a loaded UConn team. They, they ended up going, I think, almost won 30 games that year. Went uh, I got it here. They went, lost to Florida in the NCAA tournament, won 29 games. Um, uh, just think about the talent, uh, and that's that's the biggest thing that comes back to to me about those UConn teams. Uh, you know, th- th- this is their five. You know, Danielle Marshall, Ray Allen, Donnie Marshall, Darone Sheffer, who's a great college player, uh, and then they still have you know Kevin Ollie, Travis Knight, Brian Fair was a good college player. Just a really deep, uh, loaded UConn team. That's when. Calhoun w- w- was casting his net far and wide and getting big time players from you know Arizona and California uh, uh, and just really taking UConn to a totally different level. So, what was it like to be there that day? Well, you know, uh, Mac, when certain teams came into Providence, there was an extra buzz, uh, and you would think, you know, the, the old time. Big East schools, you know, Georgetown and Villanova, uh, those are certainly big games. Uh, obviously, when when Ewing and Alonzo were around, the Georgetown visits when they are in the top 10 were, were, were really, really big. But I'd say the two consistent automatic sellouts uh, at the Civic Center were UConn and Syracuse. Uh, were they the two biggest rivals? Uh, I, you know, tough to say. I would say UConn probably emerged as number one just because of its proximity and the really unique dynamic of UConn fans coming into the Civic Center. You know, the, the, if, if there were an extra 1,000 tickets, you know, 2,500 tickets, the UConn people would snatch them up, and, you know, they wouldn't be good tickets, but up in the corners of the buildings, uh, and certainly on that night when Kevin Ollie goes coast to coast uh, for a layup at the buzzer, uh, you heard those UConn fans. So it, it was a very unique dynamic when the Huskies were in town. 
So that particular Providence team, if I recall, was I think they finished with something like 20 wins and they were talented. They had, I believe, four NBA guys on their roster. And obviously, you know, they end up kind of you know pulling the rug out from under UConn in the Big East tournament. So what was it about that group in particular? It seems like this team kind of summed up sort of the Providence-UConn dynamic really well. So what was it about this team that just gave UConn trouble and gave them the, allowed them the chance to pull that upset in the tournament like that? Yeah, well, Rick Barnes was at Providence for six years, uh, went to three NCAA tournaments, including that year, and, and that was his most talented and, uh, you know, I would say best team, but a, a bit underachieving in all honesty. Uh, uh, mid, Mid-early February, they were just okay. Uh, they put it together down the stretch, and, you know, this is their team. I just named, you know, UConn's roster. Their point guard was Abdul Abdullah, a uh, Providence native, uh, who ended up leading the Big East in assists. And then this is his front court. Uh, Eric Williams, who played for a long time in the NBA, especially with the Celtics. Uh, Michael Smith, who was uh, the best rebounder in Providence uh, Big East history and one of the best rebounders in, in the entire history of the Big East. He played in the NBA for a while with the Sacramento Kings and a few teams. Uh, Dickie Simpkins was a first-round pick, played with uh, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and then Austin Crozier was only a freshman, he didn't play all that much, and he went on to be a first-round pick as well. So just a loaded Providence front court. Rick Barnes, uh, his whole mantra was was playing tough, playing hard, and really hitting the glass. And that was, uh, you know, their front court was better than than UConn's, uh, and UConn was a top five team in the country. Uh, so it, those are two really high-level teams. Unfortunately for Providence, they get matched up in a first-round NCAA game with Alabama, and Alabama had. Two front court NBA guys as well, Antonio McDice, who had a great run, I believe, mostly with Denver, and Jason Caffey. So, uh, you know, a lot of really good players. Yeah, and absolutely. No, I, I, it never actually occurred to me that Providence had Rick Pitino and Rick Barnes in that quick succession. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there was one coach in between. His name was Gordy Chiesa. He, he was, uh, uh, you know, one year, you know, flash in the pan. Didn't work out well for Gordy, although he went on to, I think it was more than 20 years as an assistant coach in Utah uh, with John Stockton and Carl Malone. So uh, Gordy landed on his feet as well. Yeah, man. Wow. You know, basketball in New England in the 90s was wild then because you have John Calipari at UMass too. And obviously Jim Calhoun is, you know, tearing the world apart at at UConn. So quite a time, huh? Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So obviously the 94 was a big year for the rivalry. And now I was just going through the, uh, these all-time series record. Uh, so just for the record, for the listeners, UConn leads the all-time series, uh, 44 to 28, and it goes all the way back to the twenties. They've been playing forever. Uh, UConn leads 37 to 23 as the big East rivals. And, uh, you know, it's like you said, there are some like serious WTF wins in here for Providence against good UConn teams. Like they got them again the next year in 1995 when UConn was like ranked number. I UConn was ranked number one in the country for a lot of that season, so that was a big one for sure. Uh, you had another one in 2003, and then again in 2004. So basically throughout the Emeka Okafor, uh, you know that kind of championship window. Um, and then, you know, then there was a handful of close calls and I think, in, I don't know if 2012 quite qualifies, but UConn had Andre Drummond and like a big part of the 2011 and 2014 championship cores were on that team too, even though they underachieved a lot. So, you know, um, 2004 was probably the most notable cause that's when you have Ryan Gomes and, uh, the, uh, the famous rant, um, tell, let's talk about that because that's, 
you know, Jim Calhoun's famous for some wild press conferences, but that's probably one of the most um, interesting for sure. Uh, what, what did you make of, of that? Oh, certainly, certainly the most uh, iconic. Uh, how many times have UConn fans and uh, Providence fans and really fans around college basketball have called that one up on, on YouTube? It, it, it was it was a bizarre day because you know, it was one of those Saturday afternoons at the Hartford Civic Center, and uh, I always thought that uh, the drive to Hartford versus Gamble uh, certainly was it was longer for a, a guy from Providence, but. It, it was such an advantage for Providence to play in Hartford versus Gamble, and I understand why UConn has to play a series of games in Hartford. I can tell you right now that the, uh, maybe Jim Calhoun, but the present coach would like to play every single game in Gamble Pavilion. I can guarantee you that. But anyways, that game was in Hartford. Ryan Gomes was, uh, I believe, only a junior that year, and uh, you know, I usually talk to you know, the opposing coach uh, as often as I can before a game. And I remember talking to uh, Calhoun on Friday and we talked about uh, Ryan and he was as cool as a cucumber, uh, going out, out of his way to praise him, say he's uh, matured more than any player that he can recall in a long time. He was overweight uh, back when uh, UConn was looking at him uh, coming up out of, uh, I'm trying to think of his hometown, help me out. Um, uh, up in uh, northwest uh, Connecticut. I'm blanking here right now. but um, And then he went to prep school and lost some of the baby fat, and Providence ended up getting him over NC State. Those those were the two schools that really uh, went down to the end for, for Ryan. <clears throat> and yet, uh, as Jim uh, noted, even on the phone call on Friday, he, he said, you know, we ended up taking some pretty good players. One was Emeka Okafor. I, I, I said, Jim, no one's crying for the Huskies. And then the next day we show up and uh, Ryan goes off, uh, as he frequently uh, did. Uh, and then, you know, Jim Calhoun wasn't used to losing too much. And, you know, there was a few softball questions and, you know, uh, defending Ryan Gomes came up. And then one more Ryan Gomes question was asked. And then it was explosion time for uh, for Coach Calhoun. Oh it was, my God! Uh, it, it was entertaining. That's all I can say. Is it was certainly entertaining. It sure was. Yeah. So for those of listeners who somehow aren't sure what we're talking about, uh, it, it's basically the gist of it is Calhoun just starts like spouting off, just being like, "I effed up. I effed up. What do you want from me? You know, America Okafor and Karan Butler aren't bad. Like, you know, what what do you want? <laughs> yeah, definitely not really uh, suitable for a family uh, a family podcast, but uh." Yeah, and Ryan Gomes, for the record, 26 points, 12 rebounds, and, uh, you know, just pretty much overall, you know, dominant performance. And, uh, yeah, I mean, UConn, obviously, they, they won a national championship that year, so this is not a, a loss that UConn was looking for. But uh, kind of it's kind of par for the course, you know. Just uh, something about Providence is always kind of these games kind of played out this way. So, um, you know, the last game that UConn played against Providence uh, were in UConn's last uh, last season in the Big East in 2013. And the kind of, you know, perfect uh, fitting send-off. They both go to overtime. Uh, UConn ends up winning both. Um, and the, the last one was the last game of the 2013 season, uh, a, a season that en- ended essentially early just because of uh, the postseason ban that UConn also had to deal with. So, you know, for UConn to kind of get that win was a really big deal. What do you, what was sort of the vibe around the conference like at this point? Because it seemed to me that it was pretty, li- it's really tough that UConn's like kind of, 
not really by their own volition, leaving the conference, and then all they don't even get a chance to go back to Madison Square Garden. So, what was what was the vibe like around the conference? Was did people feel bad for them, or were people kind of just like, whatever, let's go, they can you know get out of here? I don't think they felt bad for them at all. Uh, at that point, there was a lot of solidarity among the Catholic schools, um, and Connecticut uh, had chosen to follow its football fate. You know, they made a choice. Uh, They didn't have to leave. Uh, Obviously, they had to for football purposes. And at that time, you know, football was certainly the focus. Uh, And I understood it. Uh, They had invested millions and millions of dollars into the program, into facilities. Uh, They had to chase the football dream. And uh, you might come up with the year quicker than me, but they also were pretty decent at the time. Uh, The Fiesta Bowl uh, parents, I'm not sure what year that was, but it was probably about that time. <clears throat> so I, I totally got it, but it was certainly at the, uh, you know, uh, at, at the disadvantage of basketball. So, you know, Providence, you know, I remember getting in the car that day. Uh, our longtime columnist, Bill Reynolds, always jumped in uh, on the ride over to stores or to Hartford. And, you know, I remember driving over and I, looking at Billy and said, I, I can't believe this is my last, you know, ride to Gamble Pavilion uh, to, to watch Providence and UConn play. I, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, Providence w- was um, just getting going under Ed Cooley. I believe that was only his, uh, well, let me see, that was only his um, second year at Providence. Uh, he had just uh, scored some pretty major wins on the recruiting uh, trail, but he had a young team. He had a very young Chris Dunn, who uh, obviously is a all-time great Connecticut high school player out of New London. Uh, and their best player at the time was really LaDante Henton and Vincent Council. Council, a point guard uh, from Brooklyn, and uh, LaDante ended up scoring uh, nearly 2,000 points uh, uh, for Providence and going and leading them back into a string of NCAA runs. So Providence had a good team but was quite young. Uh, they, they were looking at the postseason at the time. You know, a long, long shot NCAA ended up going to the NIT. But uh, Connecticut, you could tell walking into the building that day that uh, this being the last game of the season, uh, UConn was was ready that that day. And uh, we ended up seeing a second, as you said, a second overtime matchup between the two teams that season. No, absolutely. Now, I uh, so I wasn't there for this game myself. I I graduated the year before, uh, but many of my friends were there and they all described it as a really... uh, We'll say a better, a bittersweet, but a really special day. Uh, so, as an opposing, uh, as a, somebody kind of covering the opposing team, what was your experience like in Gamble that day? Well, I, I remember always liking Ryan Boatwright, and uh, you know, Chris Dunn is well right now. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. Uh, I'd have to go back and see the film and see if uh, Ed Cooley had Chris Dunn dealing with uh, Boatwright or Shabazz Napier. You know, two really good guards. And those two guys together, when they got it going, uh, were a problem. And, you know, uh, Providence uh, really, really, looking at the box score, really, really shot the ball poorly all day long. Uh, got to credit, you know, UConn's defense ended up being 5 for 21 from the three-point line. But, um, you know, the, the UConn played with that desperation. Uh, Providence had a great second half I think limited Connecticut to only like 23 points in the second half so it was one of those uh, as I'm sure uh, fans would say on both teams uh, it was one of those big East rock fights you know first team I used to always say to you know Reynolds or, or someone else sitting alongside at press row you know after seeing a few uh, minutes of 
one of these old school Big East games that I used to say first team to 60 wins. And sure enough, this ended, had to go to overtime to get to 60, it was 63-59. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. Now, when I was looking back at it too, I was struck by how uh, like shorthanded both teams were, or at the very least, how short the benches were. Uh, you know, Providence, for the most part, relied on their starters the whole game. They had... I think one, uh, Josh Fortune came off the bench and played, a, you know, a decent amount of minutes. But otherwise, it was just basically those six guys. And UConn, I, I forgot about this, was playing without Niels Gafai and Tyler Olander. And they were, I think they, they basically did the same thing. They rode their starters, and that was just kind of how it was. Um, so, you know, it was co- kind of a, a, an interesting one to look back on. And yeah, then, you know, that game's over, and that's that was it. Uh, the, you know, UConn, obviously, you know, the last seven years now has been in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, they won a national title the next year, but other than that, hasn't really been a very uh, enjoyable experience. Uh, Providence it's, has been um, doing quite well. So for those, uh, you know, UConn fans who are not quite up to speed, could you describe or kind of walk us through the last seven years or so of, uh, of Providence? Sure. Uh, you know, I, and, I, and I think... A lot of Providence's success has been because UConn's not around. Uh, I like to say that uh, in the new Big East, uh, there's been two teams, that, two programs that have elevated themselves more than any other. Uh, one is obviously uh, Villanova to win two national championships, but but the second is Providence. Uh, Providence was always swimming upstream in in the Big East uh, when uh, the football schools were around. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Syracuse. Uh, I won't call Connecticut a football school, but certainly not having Connecticut around, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, it, it was just, it was one of those leagues where if you were in the bottom third or even in the middle, it was almost impossible to fight your way to the top on a consistent basis or, or even the top half. Uh, in those days, if you could finish sixth or seventh uh, in the Big East, you were automatically in the NCAA tournament. Uh, to, to melt the league back down to 10, uh, nine Catholic schools and, and Butler, uh, I think helped Providence in so many ways. That's A. And B, they finally got the right coach. Uh, Ed Cooley uh, is from Providence. Uh, he's rejuvenated the fan base uh, to a level that uh, probably hasn't been seen uh, since the 80s when, when, when Patino took the team to the, to the Final Four. Uh, or in the early 90s, Rick Barnes uh, really had it uh, going fan-wise and, and emotion-wise as well. But on the court, you know, Providence has won, you know, 20 games in basically uh, seven of the last eight years. Uh, they went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, uh, five years in a row, five out of six. They were going to make it six out of seven last year. They were certainly an NCAA tournament team last year. My guess is would have been a seed in the uh, in the seven eight nine range. Uh, so and and obviously an awful lot of that has to do with not only the coach and the coaching staff but but talent. Uh, Providence was able to get several top one hundred recruits. Uh, I wouldn't say that you know UConn recruited all of them, but they certainly recruited some of them, uh, including the uh, present starting backcourt of David Duke and AJ Reeves, two New England kids. Who, uh, who certainly in the old days w- would have looked hard at UConn. Instead, they came to Providence. And uh, how that dynamic could change going forward uh, will be really interesting. Uh, I-, I think that's, that's a litmus uh, test for 
uh, you know, UConn in the next couple of years is when the big time New England players uh, pop up, and we don't really have too many five stars or really four stars on the radar this year or even next, um, a couple next year. Uh, I'll be curious where they land. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because around the UConn fan base, the, the perception and, and it's, you know, you could probably it's almost been pr- proven at this point that a big part of UConn's decline was just simply because when they're not in the Big East, all of a sudden, a lot of recruits who they would have been getting are now going to Providence or to Seton Hall, another Big East school that has really seen its fortunes improve in the last seven years or so. So, you know, have, is that, do you think there's anything to that? Like, you know, is, is UConn, you know, basically their recruiting has taken off in the last couple of years since Danny Hurley's been back. You know, is, is it, would you say that the, that perception is based in reality or is that, or what do you think? It's definitely reality. There's no two ways about it. Just look at the talent uh, on UConn's roster in the last three, four years. You know, they, they went from having, you know, an assembly line of uh, first-round draft picks under Jim Calhoun uh, to not, uh, as simple as that. And maybe better yet, go and see where the players are coming from. Uh, they've, uh, you know, both on the Kevin Ollie, uh, you know, the, the coaches the last couple of years, uh, they, they looked far and wide for talent. Uh, I, I think Danny will really try to get it done in New England and that New York, New Jersey area. Now, you know, there's a lot of good programs fighting it out for talent like that. Uh, Villanova being at the top of the list. Uh, and then, of course, when there's a real star, uh, then the Dukes and Kentuckys and Carolinas come in and try to cherry-pick the very best five stars in that New York, New Jersey area. But, you know, there's an awful lot of talent. Uh, Connecticut, especially with Dan Hurley and his staff working, uh, will be in the mix for those players. Now, Will those, would those players have wanted to play for Dan in the American? Uh, I don't know, but all I know is uh, Danny is really excited and considers it a major advantage to be selling the Big East versus the American right now. I mean, the results seem to speak for themselves so far. Um, so that's certainly something UConn fans are excited about. Um, now, I'm curious about this uh, dynamic. How do Providence people feel about UConn coming back? Um, we'll say the fans, the school, you know, kind of, you know, whichever part of the community, um, you know, you, you see yeah. fit. Well, it's funny when, when it was announced, um, I don't even know how long ago that, that is. It could be as much as a, as a year. Uh, I, I wrote, I remember writing, this is a really bad idea. And, you know, the Providence people were like, well, what, what are you talking about? I said, do you realize what having UConn back in the league is going to do your, to your program? Yes. You're going to get an automatic sellout. But big deal. It's not about money. It, it, it's it's about winning. And you know, I said UConn's going to go right to the top of the league. Oh no, they're not. You know, they can't even win the American. Believe me, I, I know the deal. I know Dan Hurley. They're going to go right to the top. Now, will they be able to eclipse the success, uh, continued success of Villanova? Uh, I have my doubts about that. But can they be consistently in the top three or four? Yes, they can, and that's what I'm expecting. Uh, maybe as soon as this year, forget about next year. And a lot of Providence people were, were, were seemingly, you know, happy about having UConn back because it's, quote, another good game. Uh, over time, I think they've quickly come to my side. And I remember sitting with uh, the president of the school, uh, Father Brian Shanley, and a few fans at a golf course this summer. And, you know, after some pleasantries and, you know, sitting a little bit, one of the fans said, Father, 
why did you let UConn back in the league? That's a really bad idea. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the priests, the, the, the presidents, they were the ones who ultimately voted to do it. And, and they did it for a lot of reasons. Number one is, is money and business and Fox TV. Fox really wanted UConn back in. And, uh, you know, the, the Big East tournament was basically a sellout for the last four years. They, they didn't need UConn uh, to sell out the Big East tournament. But now uh, the scalpers are happy. You know, the, uh, the, those, those sold-out tickets will be uh, worth even more on the streets of New York City when, when we're able to go back in. But, um, you know, again, on game night, I think Providence fans will be really excited to have UConn in. But they're not going to be excited after they lose once in a while. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, that, that's going to be a fascinating dynamic to see play out. So um, what is Providence's team like now? Uh, obviously, you know, UConn fans may be somewhat familiar with some of the guys we've talked about, but as a general, like, kind of big picture, you know, where's it? what's the state of Providence basketball heading into 2020-21? So uh, their playing style has been very consistent under Ed Cooley. If you ask uh, the head coaches in the Big East without naming names, who's one of the tougher teams to play with, uh, play against, uh, obviously Villanova would be at the top of the list. But, but Providence would be really high because – even if you can beat Providence, it's not going to be easy. They play consistently very tough. They are very aggressive around the rim um, uh, with just always one of the better rebound margin teams in the league. Uh, they do not run and shoot. Uh, they don't want to play in the 80s uh, like, uh, like Creighton, for example. Uh, they want to pound you. Uh, and Ed Cooley's uh, teams, both offensively and defensively, uh, get into you uh, on offense – uh, they, they use the shot clock and are very physical. Uh, that said, they have good players. You know, this year I already mentioned their, their backcourt, uh, David Duke. I think, I think David can, can be a first team all league guard. And that's saying something because if you look at the, some of the Naismith, uh, trophy, all American candidates, uh, there's two, you know, from the big East pop up right away, uh, in Marcus Zagorowski from Creighton and, 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 and Colin, uh, from uh, from uh, Villanova, but I, I think David Duke can play with both of those guys. Uh, for example, out at Creighton last year, uh, he went for 36, uh, for example. Um, so uh, I think David Duke is going to be their, their top guy. Uh, uh, A.J. Reeves uh, is now a junior. He's one of the best shooters in the league, very, very, very potent offensive player. Up front, Nate Watson is uh, now going to take the mantle as, as Providence's best big guy. He, he's one of the better physical low-post players in, in the league, if not the East. Uh, and then they, they have a few younger players who people might not be aware of who have a chance to be really good. Greg Gant uh, is a sophomore from North Carolina uh, who kind of leads that group. And then they have two transfers. Everyone has transfers, right? Uh, these instant eligibility transfers uh, are so important to so many teams. Uh, and Providence has two of them, uh, a point guard, Jared Bynum, who did one year at St. Joe's and, and was good. He was an All-Atlantic 10 freshman pick. And then Nate Horschler, a 6'8", 6'9", uh, high post forward from uh, transfer from North Florida. He's a senior, so he only has one year of eligibility. Both of those guys practiced with the Friars last year, and uh, they could even start. Uh, I think Bynum almost is certainly the starting point guard. So that, that, that's basically their team, and... Basically, if you've watched Providence the last couple of years, uh, with the exception of an NBA talent and Dunn a few years back, uh, they're going to play the exact same way. It's going to 
be a tough game to win. No, absolutely. David Duke, if, if my memory serves, uh, and you can, I don't know if this is something you would even know, know about, but I think he was a, a, an AAU teammate or high school teammate with a cook, a cook, wasn't he? I, I v- vaguely think that he may have been. No, David uh, went to Cushing Academy, uh, and I think a cook was at Putnam Science. Uh, they may have played some AAU with the mass rivals. That's though, it, so yeah. I that, you're, you're right there. I believe, uh, Yeah, I knew they played together at some point. Yeah, yeah as did A.J. Reeves. A.J. Reeves was, was a mass rivals uh, player as well. So that's really where David and A.J. got to uh, form a bond. And uh, A.J. was uh, a top player. Uh, prep player up in the Boston area. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say those names, like I see, I, I, I cover a lot of the high school stuff too. So the, the, the guys who play for the top AAU programs pop up and I was like, wait a minute. I remember seeing a lot of these guys before. <laughs> so sure, David, sure. Do, yeah, good, 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 good player for sure. Um, anyway, so, you know, kind of to slightly shift gears a little bit, um, you know, so you obviously you cover Providence a lot. You've also covered a lot of URI and that means that you saw a lot of Danny Hurley back when he was with the uh, back with when he was with URI. Uh, so, what was you like to cover him? And uh, you know, I guess what do you think of the work he's done with UConn so far? I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, when he came into uh, URI, uh, I was so excited. Um, uh, I have a, you know a lot of connections in the basketball world. One is uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, who actually I got to meet when he was covering UConn. Uh, back in the 90s, and Adrian wrote a, wrote a great book on St. Anthony's, uh, the outstanding uh, high school program in New Jersey, and obviously featuring the father of the Hall of Famer, Bob Hurley. Um, but to have Danny come from Wagner to Rhode Island, and his brother, Bobby Hurley, uh, was the assistant coach. Uh, at that point, you know they're not only great coaches, but uh, they get the media side of it. And, you know, they welcomed the coverage that, uh, that, that we gave them, uh, let us into practice. It, it, it was pretty unique to see the intensity that the Hurleys brought to a program that, that needed a jumpstart in a major way. Uh, I shouldn't say jumpstart. They had had some success under Jim Barron, but never could get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, and yet when Barron left, there wasn't a lot in the cupboard at that point. And, you know, to see Danny build it uh, in a pretty short period of time and have some success on the recruiting trail and just coach with such ferocity. He, he, he was he was something to watch uh, in the Atlantic 10 because they weren't ready for his intensity and, and his, you know, us against the world type mentality. And, uh, you know, he took them to two NCAA tournaments and they won games in both NCAA tournaments. Uh, even today, those URI fans will say, uh, you know, Cooley's had a great run at Providence, but uh, you know, he only has one NCAA tournament win. Dan Hurley has two. Uh, and uh, believe me, he's going to have some NCAA tournament wins at UConn in, a, in short order. Absolutely. Do you have any particular uh, Danny Hurley stories from your time covering him? Because it seems like everybody who's covered him has a few. Yeah, I'll try to keep him clean. Uh, Dan, <laughs> Danny was, is, is very entertaining. So uh, that first year, I was kind of fascinated with Bobby as much as Danny. You know, uh, you knew... Uh, that Bobby was going to go on to, to be a head coach somewhere as well. Uh, just watching him, he, this was his might have been his first year coaching. He, I don't think he coached with Dan at Wagner. Uh, it's too far ago, I can't recall that uh, at this point. But um, so I go down to a practice, and you know, again, the URI uh, talent base was not good. These guys were very intense in practice, 
and you know I don't know who it was, but unfortunate player A uh, had to do a drill and, and just could not get it right. And it was like, blow, blow, blow the whistle, do it again, blow the whistle, do it again, with a couple with a couple choice words, you know, interspersed there. Blow the whistle, do it again. You know, ten minutes later, you know, practice ends. I'm like, you know, to Bobby, actually, I'm like, uh, no, to Dan. I'm like, Dan, why do you do that to player A? You know, obviously, he, 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 he can't make that shot. He can't do that move, whatever the issue was. And he looks at me, he's like, are you serious? I said, what do you mean? He goes, if he can't get it right here, he's never going to get it right. I'd stay here all goddamn day until he gets it right. And then he calls. He goes, Bob, Bob. He waves Bobby over. He goes, he wants to know why we were killing player A because he couldn't get it right. And I was like, okay, it's that attention to detail, that force, uh, that intensity in practice that they believe uh, carries over to the games. And that's those are the lessons that they learned at St. Anthony's. Anyone who would have swooped through St. Anthony's over the years uh, for practice to see the old man uh, work his magic uh, and just, you know, they lost a handful of games forever and sometimes went undefeated year after year. But the, everyone used to say their practices were a different level because uh, practices, you know, lead to success in games. And uh, the Hurleys and Dan certainly, uh, certainly believe that. Absolutely. That's fantastic. <laughs> so um, kind of one more URI related question. Uh, one, UConn, like Providence, has uh, some transfers coming in. Uh, one of them, uh, Tyrese Martin, uh, was a, a starter for URI last year and by all accounts sounds like a great player. What have, What is your impression of him and uh, I guess what can UConn fans expect when he uh, joins the team this year? I am a big fan. I think he will be an instant impact player at UConn. Uh, I think he can start. Uh, I don't know if he can average 15 a game like he did at Rhode Island just because they have you know, uh, you know, know, other good players and might not get the same number of shots. But uh, he, he's a shot maker. Uh, he's a very good athlete. He runs the court really well, and he's tough. And that's really why Dan Hurley uh, likes him. And I'm not surprised that they reunited in stores. Um, he, he's going to make a difference. Uh, anyone... Any UConn fan who thinks he's, you know, this, you know, quote, transfer from Rhode Island. No, believe me, if, if he was a uh, high school player, he would have been recruited uh, at a very high level. Uh, and, and certainly um, UConn's fortunate to have him. Awesome. Nice, nice. Well, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, so I just I got one more question for you. Um, big picture, what are your expectations for the Big East this year uh, in terms of, you know, who's kind of how the league is going to shake down, you know, who's going to make the tournament? Just your general sense of, you know, what this season could look like uh, for the Big East as a whole. Yeah, you know, Mac, it, it's kind of funny. Um, every year at this time, you see the top 25s and you see the you know, the projections for the tournament, and it, people don't get it. it. It's been going on now for eight years, or whatever, however long the Big East has been uh, reorganized. It, it doesn't get enough respect, because all I know is by March, th- there's going to be six to eight teams with a very good chance to make the tournament, and there's going to be two to three that have a chance to be a, a one, two, or three seed. It's just the way it happens. Uh, just just go back and look, with the exception, I think, of only one year in the year year two or three, that's been the way it is. Uh, there was one year where there were two number one seeds, uh, Villanova and Xavier. Uh, this year, I, I do like Villanova, obviously, as, as the top pick in the league, that they're a top five in the country 
I'm a little leery about that. They really lost a very, very good player in, in, in Sadiq Bey. Uh, I, I like their returning guys. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is a very, uh, you know, productive and high-end big guy. And, uh, you know, the point guard Collins, very, very good. I, uh, people are probably sleeping, I think, on Cole Swider. Uh, he's one of those guys who, uh, he, he's a very good example of one of those recruits uh, that, that UConn really couldn't get involved with because they were in the American. He's from Rhode Island, uh, as a matter of fact, and it came down to Syracuse, UK, uh, Syracuse, Villanova, and Providence. Uh, he's a 6'8", 6'9", shooting wing, and he hasn't had a chance to take many shots in the last couple of years. He's a junior now, so watch out for that name, Cole Swider. Uh, I, I think uh, Creighton's going to be very good. I think Seton Hall lost a lot but still has enough back. Uh, uh, UConn and Providence uh, are, are in that mix in the upper half as well. Uh, St. John's was a very difficult team to play by the end of last year. Now they have more talent. Uh, they're going to be a problem. Uh, Butler is always okay. Uh, usually picked uh, worse than they appear and yet uh, are in the mix. Uh, you know, the, the league is pretty deep. Uh, obviously, uh, Georgetown... Uh, is is rebuilding under Patrick Ewing, finally getting some uh, s- some wins on the recruiting trail, um, and uh, you know DePaul's getting better as well. So it, it, it's a deep league. Uh, it would be great if right out of the shoot, uh, the league has some non-conference wins that people say, "Oh, okay, they are good," and, and that's what's going to happen with the with the Yukons and the Providences and and the St. John's, they'll have some success, and all of a sudden there'll be three or four teams in the top 25 instead of, I've seen some top 25s with one Big East team, Villanova. It's, it's ludicrous. I, I just don't get it. It happens year after year where uh, the Big East is not giving uh, its proper respect uh, in October and November, but in March, uh, last year it was the number one conference um, uh, in the NCAA ratings. So, you know. Is what it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. That all, you know, can't argue with any of that. So, you know, Kevin, thanks again for coming on. This is uh, this is a lot of fun and, you know, really insightful stuff. So uh, before I let you go, um, you know, you have your new website and uh, obviously you've been, a, you know, you know, a prominent guy in Rhode Island for a while. So uh, how can people, you know, find you, read your stuff and, uh, you know, what can they do to subscribe and, you know, what can they expect when they do? Yeah, to, to UConn fans, I do want to say that uh, you've had some great coverage over the years. Uh, by the quote horde, uh, all the all the newspapers and uh, radio and TV in Connecticut that, that is really thinned in the last ten years. It's actually amazing and very sad how much it's thinned. But that's been the newspaper business. Uh, now that there's still some really good uh, plugged-in reporters over there uh, who help with UConn, but uh, come to my site as well. Uh, kind of include it in your mix of you know UConn daily surfing. It's again KevinMCSports.com. Dot com Kevin Max Sports. Uh, I, I will have UConn stuff on the site. I'll have a lot of Big E stuff on the site. Uh, and if you're ever wondering what the heck's going on with Providence uh, in advance uh, of a game, come to the site. Um, I, I will be looking, uh, charging and looking for subscribers. Uh, all I'll say is it's not much money and it'll be worth your time and, and, and money. Uh, thanks.
thanks very much for having me on Mac. Of course, yeah, my pleasure. It's uh, obviously, um, you know, it's a tough business out there, but I, I really, uh, you know, really respect what you're doing and, you know, hope, hope it all goes well. So uh, all you guys out there listening, definitely give it a look, especially if you, you know, if you're a Rhode Island based UConn fan. If you live in Rhode Island, it's a no brainer, honestly, like there's nothing really else like it there. So good stuff. Um, awesome. Well, well, Kevin, thanks again for coming on. And uh, yeah, love to have you back on if you're willing at some point, maybe after, you know, UConn and Providence play whenever, whenever that winds up being. If UConn and Providence play, I'll be really happy, and I'll be happy to uh, to help out again. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, hopefully next week uh, looking to try to keep this series going, uh, see who, I guess, uh, find out which I haven't decided what the next school will be, but uh, should be good stuff either way. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, for all you guys out there, you, you know the drill. You can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo. That's M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. DMs are open, and you can also hit me up uh, by email at yes uconnpodcast at gmail.com um yeah so we'll be back next week and uh, you guys all have a good one